Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast and the Five Reasons Sports Network. We're here at, well, I always want to call it American Airlines Arena. I don't know what it's called right now. I'm not going to call it that other thing. But we'll get to the episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network and this podcast, and that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price, guaranteed. Want to get rid of that old car? Turn it into cash today, get a top dollar offer, and a check the same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. But here's the thing you need to remember. You have to DM us at 5 Reason Sports. That's the number 5 Reason Sports. You can also DM at Ethan J. Skolnick. I'll get it either way. But what I will do is give your information to an AutoNation senior manager. So not just somebody you meet on the floor, but a senior manager will reach out to you and walk you through the entire buying process. If you're going to make a decision as complicated and as difficult and as expensive as buying a car can be, shouldn't you make it with the most information possible and the most guidance possible? So DM me at 5 Reason Sports. We've had people do this already, had a great experience. We want you to do it too. And now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back at the arena in Miami on Biscayne Bay. Today was the red, white, and pink scrimmage. And so we've got two parts to this episode, a little bit of a bonus. Alex Toledo, who's here, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket on, tw- on Twitter. He was here at the scrimmage as well. We had the largest presence, or well, two people, of anybody, of all the, the local media outlets, uh, at the red, white, and pink scrimmage. So we're going to give you some insights on that go through the five things that we picked up today. But also afterwards, I did a few minutes with Bam Adebayo alone the other day. There's one part of this I think that is news, actually. Uh, the rest of it is just interesting about his offensive game. So we'll get through this, and then we'll go to Bam Adebayo. But let's go through the five things today. And the first thing that I took away is always what I take away from these scrimmages, which is who starts on the two teams. And Eric Spolster said, Alex, that he's still playing around with combinations. It's a little different. They used to have up to 10 preseason games, and now they have five, and one of them is a back-to-back set. So he doesn't really have as much time to kind of figure things out, which means in a scrimmage like this, he kind of has to get to what the group is going to be a little bit quicker. So here was the starting lineup, and you tell me what you take from this. Bam Adebayo, we expected. Justice Winslow, we expected. Jimmy Butler, we expected. Deion Waiters. And the fifth was Duncan Robinson. Now, I don't think we expect Duncan Robinson to start this season, but Goran Dragic was on the second team, along with, I believe, Tyler Harrow, Kendrick Nunn, Derek Jones Jr., and Myers Leonard. Duncan Robinson, to me, seemed like a placesetter or a placeholder for Kelly Olynyk. 
And so if that's the case, are we moving towards a situation where Goran Dragic is going to be the sixth man of this team? I mean, I hope so. I know Heat fans are hearing this right now. <laughs> like, that's great. It's great. That's exactly what everybody wants to hear. But that's exactly what I was thinking, too, when I saw that Duncan was starting because it seems like they want to have a shooter in place with that lineup. I think – I'm not sure this is going to be the starting lineup, but I think Spo definitely wanted to get a look and see how Justice was playing at point guard alongside, you know, two big-time shot creators in Dion and Jimmy. And it looked good. The offense was moving well. You know, guys were moving around. The ball was moving around. and. I think Spo got enough of a sample size to see that Justice can still be the better playmaker of him and Goran. Yeah, I think when you noted this on Twitter, right, you know, and this is no disrespect to Goran, but Justice, I just think, sees the floor better than Goran does. Some of it's just height. He just he is more of the floor for him to see. And he looked comfortable to me with both hands. His first, first thing he did today was shoot a three straight away and drained it. But I liked when I saw him driving the baseline with his right. You know, that, that idea of him using both hands a little bit, he said that he wants teams to force him right. He says he's basically daring them to force him right. And he looked like a point guard today. So, you know, when I looked at that lineup, I said, this is what Eric does. He doesn't necessarily, this is traditional. Remember, when Dwayne used to miss time, like he put James Jones in at the two, right? Like they would take somebody who was out of the rotation instead of taking Ray Allen, right? And put that player in there to keep the bench intact. So let's go to what the bench was. Myers Leonard looks like the backup five to me, and he, I think, had 16 today and made a bunch of threes, including a couple on consecutive possessions. They have four threes total. Then you look at Derek Jones Jr., who I think we believe is going to be part of that rotation somewhere, and they went with three guards in addition. So Derek was actually the four. So it was Goran, Harrow, and Nunn. We've talked about this, and we're going to get this in, in another part of this, on which of the guys sort of out of the rotation a little bit. It is the guy who could be in the rotation, and none looks like he could be that guy because they're going to need another ball handler. But you're also missing James Johnson. So I'm just curious, if James Johnson he gets himself back in shape, who does he replace on that second unit? If we're going to assume that Olenek is going to replace Duncan and maybe force Duncan out of the rotation entirely, if they play 10, who is the guy that, step, that gets bumped for James Johnson? I mean, it's got to be Kendrick Nunn. I think they, I think they really like him. Uh, it's, it's, almost, it's obvious he's, he's a very good playmaker, very good defender. He gets up in you on defense. Uh, he's a better shooter than I think we thought originally. But I think he's going to be the one that's the odd man out when it comes to that rotation. Although it was weird seeing that three-guard lineup. I wonder if it was just a you know, set of circumstances. But he could have easily gone with KZ instead of Kendrick Nunn. So I, that might tell you a little bit about how high they are on him. Or that they don't think KZ's ready. Because, I, you know, when you watch KZ a little bit, first, a couple of things sort of jump out about KZ. One, he's not as big as I expected. And two, he's really lean at this point. Like, he looks like he needs another offseason to get on about 10 to 15 pounds. Like, you can see Derek Jones Jr. is putting on a little weight, maybe not as much as they said they wanted him to. But KZ, I, I think, needs to pick that up quite a bit. I, I think for him to get consistent minutes. Like I, I kind of look at this like a red shirt year for Casey. I think he might be like Josh Richardson was his rookie year, kind of shuttle back and forth. And then maybe we see him in February and there's a contribution to be made. Or maybe Derek Jones Jr. gets hurt or traded and then there's an, a role for him. But I would expect him to get bumped out. But I do think Nunn's going to play. Now I think it's less likely Nunn plays if Goran's coming off the bench. If Goran is starting with Justice, I think none plays because then it, unless you can stagger the first two guys completely, they're going to need another ball handler coming off the bench, and then that would be Kendrick Nunn. But I, I don't – you know, Eric is – we're not that far away. We're 17 days away from the season, but he's only got five preseason games to play with. 
So the lineup today was not an accident, I don't think. And, you know, I think they value Duncan Robinson. They see that he can be a stretch four and go all the way down. Remember, when Dwayne missed time last year, he played some two. I, he can go all the way down to the two. But it looks to me like he's the placeholder for Kelly whenever Kelly's healthy. And we did see Kelly moving pretty well up at camp the other day. So I, I don't think he's that far away. All right, number two thing today, Jimmy Butler. Aggressive, first two possessions, he gets scores. Second time he gets to the line. He wasn't feeling great today. Uh, that's why he didn't talk to the media afterwards. But the other thing I took away is, like, this love affair between him and the fans is going to be an all-year thing. They were chanting, we love Jimmy, at the, his first, first time at the line, right? And, and I, I want to throw this at you because I've been thinking about this, and I haven't thrown this on Twitter because this will go up in flames. You know I'm a LeBron stan. Everybody knows I'm a LeBron stan. People knew kind of what the relationship was there. I defended him to the hilt for four years. Jimmy Butler is more Miami than LeBron James. LeBron never was comfortable being the Miami villainous character. It is Jimmy Butler. Uh, LeBron never really did the community stuff down here that I anticipated he would do. He did like, he did like the bike ride and there were a couple things he'd be out, but like, if you look at it, everything he did, he went back to Akron and did it. It's not that he wasn't doing great community work. It just wasn't a lot. And I went to a couple events, the boys and girls club, they got some computers, but never, I just feel like, uh, look, nobody's going to be LeBron, the basketball player and nobody's going to be the, we're never going to see a season like that 12, 13 season again, individually. But I feel like Jimmy is a better fit for this, not the heat culture, for the Miami culture than LeBron James is. Would you agree with me? That's an interesting point. I had not thought about that. But it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Jimmy is a guy who, you know, the, the Miami looks at themselves as a city of underdogs. That, you, know, you know, you have the, the whole mantra of everybody's working. You know, it's not about South Beach. It's about everything else that surrounds Miami and Miami Beach. And Jimmy's kind of, you know, he, he goes along with that theme. He's a guy who came out uh, 30th pick in the draft. The Heat passed him up, I think, in that draft to draft Norris Cole. He's somebody who kind of, you know, made his way just off of grinding and hustling, having to go up through the, you know, the, the ladder to become this all-star player that he is now. And he came out, you already, everybody knows he came out with the, with the Cuban Guayabera, going to play dominoes. He's, he's all about this life. And I was... I was surprised when I saw them come out with the We Love Jimmy chant. I didn't think it was going to be that fast, but people are excited. I think people are excited to have that franchise player again. Yeah, and, and a franchise player who fits. And the Heat social media is telling you everything you need to know because they are – I mean, they put out a blitz yesterday of videos, and all of them are aggressive, in-your-face, Sponos, okay? They're featuring particular players on purpose, I think. And I, they're all in on this thing. All right, number three, Tyler Harrow. A hero, by the way. He told me that's how he wants to pronounce. So that's what we're going with from now on. He also told me uh, that he has the most drip of anybody, uh, any rookie, and that there is no second. So this is who he is now. I noticed this in the videos they've put out and then today. There's no fear in him. Now, we know that. But I'm just curious from your perspective because I think that's a great thing in training camp to earn the respect of your teammates. You get in the games, though, and you're taking shots that maybe are supposed to be for the vets. How does that play? Is there, is there a fine line here? Because when we had uh, Coach Thorpe on, he basically said, don't expect anything. from. This was after Summer League. He says, don't expect anything from Tyler Harrow. He says, rookies are typically bad and shooters as rookies are, are almost always bad. And even a guy like Buddy Heald, who came in as a shooter, did not really contribute his first half of the season. And he was, what, 
13 years older than Ty. Now, I'm exaggerating, but he was several years older than Tyler Harrow when he came into the NBA. So I, I feel like with Tyler Harrow, like we've seen this, uh, this meteoric rise from everybody hating the pick to everybody loving the pick to now if he gets at, at two, if he doesn't get minutes, people are going to be angry at Spo. But if he does get minutes, we may see a situation where they're like, okay, why is he taking that shot in that situation? Is he too aggressive? I think he had a little bit of that nervous energy out there. Uh, he would, something about him, kind of, especially what you're talking about, right? Where his ability, this, he'll shoot whenever he gets that that feeling, right? It kind of reminds me of what Joe Green was doing in preseason when he was over here. <laughs> but um, I like that he's really confident, and I do think you have a point about rookies not being good, especially rookie shooters. Tyler, although he's a little bit bigger than I thought he was when he first got drafted, as far as his frame goes. There were our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Guys going straight through him on the defensive end. If he doesn't perform on the defensive end, if he, if he looks like a turnstile on defense, and if he starts taking too many shots, he could definitely have a short leash. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Spo was just playing Duncan Robinson uh, early on. But at the end of the day, we've seen Spo tell these guys a lot of these times, green light, green light, keep shooting, keep shooting. So I think it is a fine line, like you said. But um, that's going to be something to monitor for sure. Yeah, and let's go to the fourth one now, and that was the other guy who started that there's been some questions about whether he would start, and that's Deion Waiters. Had kind of one of those signature moments today where right before the end of the third quarter where he you know, just drains a three, kind of holds up his hand a little bit. Interesting exchange that you and I were witness to. There weren't a lot of media up there Saturday up at, up at training camp, last day of training camp, and Eric's quote about Waiters that he was in shape but not in Miami Heat shape, and then Anthony Chang from the Herald asked – Dion about it and Dion said I'm in shape now right <laughs> and even the exchange that I I followed Spolstra because I asked Spolstra about Dion's mix of shots and Eric basically said he was fine with the threes he wants more drives because of how efficient Dion was as a driver a couple of years ago when he was healthy but they had tried to clean out the inefficient twos and so I threw that at Dion as kind of a softball on Saturday and Dion really rejected that also. He, right? he said, basically, it's basketball. You know, if a guy goes off you on a screen, you got to shoot the ball. I, I feel like there's this tension there that worked in the 16-17 season between Spo and Dion. I just wonder if it's going to work with this particular team. I think he's in shape. I, don't, I, I believe him. He looks in shape to me. He looks good. He was moving his feet defensively. He became a plus three-point shooter at the end of last season, which he hadn't been earlier in his career. 
but this tension, you were there for it Saturday. It's not like out, it's not white side Spolstra tension, but it's the only place on the team where I feel there is any, right? How does that play out? So I think it's funny that you said that. Spo, before saying that, and just in the general outlook that Spo had on Dion was pretty much overwhelmingly positive. He said that Dion was in shape, just not in heat shape. And I think Dion heard that part and kind of responded. But I wonder if it's a little bit of Spo trying to get Dion going a little bit. I wonder if Spo likes that energy that Dion brings when he's just like, oh, you, you, think, I'm, you think I'm not good enough? <laughs> so he wants to prove you wrong. But as far as the other part that you're talking about, I wouldn't be surprised if Spo was telling Dion when, you know, you know they, they run the high pick and roll and the big man switches onto him, the big man drops back. I know he's telling Jimmy to take those mid-range pull-ups. I wonder how many of them he's telling Dion to take, but I wouldn't be surprised if he told him, uh, you know, take what the defense gives you. But like you said, I think Spo wants Dion's shot profile to mostly consist of uh, getting to the rim and shooting threes in rhythm, whether it's pull-up or, or off the catch. And I think Dion looked great out there today as far as just his movement. He was beating guys to the paint with ease, which he, he was even doing last year playing out of shape, but he looked even quicker out there. He was manipulating the defense, and I think there's a lot to be happy about moving forward. All right, let's get to the fifth and last part of this, which is does anybody did anybody else stand out? So you, we, we kind of touched on all the draft picks plus Duncan Robinson, guys, Kendrick Nunn, guys who could sneak into the rotation somewhere. But there's a list of other guys here that could be two-way guys. Now, we covered this a little bit with Zach Buckley on the pod the other day. The player that he mentioned was Chris Silva, and, and I, I think he's the most likely to actually have an opportunity, you know, to contribute or maybe be with the big team this year for longer stretches, mostly because they're short on bigs. And not only are they short on bigs, today Silva was the guy who got the minutes first of that group. So that's always an indicator to me of, all right, this is a guy who's in the plan somewhere. Now, it's always possible, because this has happened with the Heat before, that they get to the end of training camp and somebody else you know, freeze up, okay, and they cut everybody that they've been looking at, right, or send them to Sioux Falls or try to get them to go there. And some of them they have prepackaged deals with, okay, so they're going to Sioux Falls. Silva's the one guy there. What do you, you see? I mean, he seems to have the size and athleticism that they like at that position. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed by him in summer league. Uh, he, he had some okay moments, but I think there was an opportunity for them there as like the only big that the Heat were really looking at, and I don't think he was great. But what and and Mayton wasn't great either, and they ended up getting rid of Mayton. But what do you see of Silva? So I actually agree with you. I wasn't high on him in summer league either, and I wasn't that high on him today as as far as the scrimmage goes. I think I I wouldn't be surprised if he does fit, uh, fit in somewhere into the plans just because he he is there athletically. He has a frame of somebody who can step in and be, you know, decent defensively. Who can grab some rebounds. Who can finish a little on some easy passes. But he's very raw. When he gets the ball, sometimes, you know, if that first action that he, that, that's going on in the play doesn't go through, he looks kind of lost. He doesn't seem very polished in, in pretty much any sense, but everything else as far as getting in a big man prospect, he, he checks the lines up. The guy that stood out to me, actually, even though he didn't finish shooting well, was KZ. So KZ, when he was first drafted, uh, I think was a surprise to many Heat fans. He was kind of characterized by some people as a 3 and D guy. And I always thought that was weird because from everything that we saw from Stanford, he was a guy who was a playmaking wing who could shoot the three. He shot like two or three attempts a game. So that's why I thought it was weird that he was characterized that way. And, and that was his only season where he was shooting that many attempts. So he's just getting started in that direction. But KZ, what he surprised me with, his ball handling. He was very smooth out there. He was, you know, getting to his spots. Uh, it was a lot smoother than a lot of the film that you can see on YouTube of him at Stanford. And 
I think it's a plus. He looked extremely confident. And he is skinny. He has put on some weight since summer league, though. He was, he was looking even leaner over there. But um, I'm glad to see him coming out looking confident and just trying to make plays out there. And I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of him moving forward, although I think Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn are ahead of him right now in the, in the rotation. Yeah, I think Nunn is definitely ahead of him. But uh, the, the, big, the one difference, I think the one place that Akpala could elevate ahead of Derek Jones Jr. is the ball handling. Because that, that is the one thing that Derek doesn't do particularly well. Like, I, I feel like Derek can become a better shooter, but I don't. There were a couple times today that Derek was a little bit more aggressive with the ball in his hands, but it's not, it just doesn't look natural for him. And so I, I don't know if it ever becomes natural for him. So, anyway, uh, that's the latest from the red, white, and pink scrimmage. I mean, I think it was successful for the Heat. Look, the Dolphins couldn't lose today, the Hurricanes couldn't lose today, and the Heat couldn't lose today. And the Heat were the only team that played. So that worked out all right. All right, after the break, and a word from our friend Jason Jackson. We're going to get to an interview that I did with Bam Adebayo on Saturday. All right. There are a lot of events in South Florida that you got to go to. But if you can only pick one. Yeah, come on now. This is the one. I'm with Jason Jackson. You know him as the Jack Show. <laughs> the third year of this event. I don't want to disparage the guys that you roasted before. You shouldn't. But there's one three. Yeah. So what do you got going on? Jack Celebrity Roast Volume 3. Four three. Like this was always in the making, all the way back to when we started in 2016 with Irie first and then uh, Jason Taylor. But uh, on October 12th at uh, one hotel, uh, South Beach, we are roasting Dwayne Wayne. We've got Chris Spencer, Razor Davis, um, Jimmy Butler on the podium, as well as Udonis Haslam. I'm giving you a breaking story. It's not fully confirmed, but uh, we'll all be together on October 12th. Everybody can get tickets to jackscelebrityroast.com. Uh, do not bring your mother, your faith healer, or your kids. Sounds like a plan. So where do they go again? Where do they get it? JackCelebrityRoast.com. Buy your tickets now. There aren't many left. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you about, uh, I think about a month ago, was was your face-up game and kind of how that's coming along and, and what you're trying to do with it. What, what has been kind of the emphasis with that this offseason? I feel like the greatest thing about me is my quickness as a, as a 16 big. I feel like that's my strength, and I got to use that to my ability. So the coach has been making me face up more. You know, I've, I've always had it, but just emphasizing it more than usual. And, you know, just being able to just go by somebody, I feel like helps you and also help your teammates. Do you think that you're able to kind of get find your spots in the offense as it's developed? I know you guys are still putting things in, but to find where you'll be comfortable taking those shots or since I know you're a willing passer, getting off the ball and getting it to somebody else. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like being aggressive gets your other team, gets your teammates open. So if I'm aggressive, I'll go hard to the basket. If I if I take open shots and you know if I create for myself, other teams will start overreacting to it, and my teammates will be wide open. So you know, just that's the point of emphasis for me. What's your comfortable range? What's your comfortable range at this point? I mean, I, if I'm open, shoot it. <laughs> that's my comfortable range. <laughs> Right, so there's no limit to it. I mean, and you're are you at the stage where you will step out to the three? I know that's something that, that took Bosch a little bit of time to develop. But. It's in the flow of the game. You know, Chris Bosch is teaching my teaching me more of my spots, and I'm just trying to I'm just trying to emphasize that when we play one on ones or three on threes and five on fives. The post game too. I, I know the game has changed where it's not as much throw the ball into a big and sort of let him work, but I know you've worked on your footwork quite a bit. Where are you with that? Yeah, just just being able to score quick, I feel like I feel like that's a that's a big thing for bigs and being patient. So my whole thing was if I'm patient then, you know, he he'll make the mistake. And I learned that from from D Wade. 
He taught me a little something about being patient and, you know, just thinking about it and then becoming more of a player and having bigger, a bigger responsibility. I feel like that's helped me in my You want to run, right? Yes. And, and you want to handle some on the break, right? Because we saw you do that at times last season. Yeah. Just getting out, I feel like that's, that's better for offense, get everybody out. It's kind of like having five guards yeah. on the court. So, you know, getting in, the, getting in the triggers quick and, you know, just getting easy opportunities for us to score. It looks like this is a team that will be able to run. I mean, you, Goran's always wanted to push. Tyler likes to push. Dion will push. Justice will push. Jimmy is really effective in transition. Do you think this team can run more maybe than it has the past couple of years? I feel like we can. Just everybody's mindset has shifted to running and getting out. We want easy layups. We want easy points. And, you know, we just want to make the game easy for us. Looking back at it, not to get into the specifics of it, but I know you were excited about the whole Olympic thing or the, the, uh, the U.S. thing, but now getting the extra time with your body, did it end up working out okay for you just in terms of being prepared for this camp? Because you were able to get the work done on your own, right? It, it would have been good either way. I mean, if you look at it, if I would have went to FIFA, I would have been in great condition. So going into camp, I would have been, been good condition-wise and you know, I would have been ready to play, getting used to refs. And I didn't. So, I mean, it, it got me more, it got me closer to my teammates and, you know, Jimmy coming here. So it gave us more time to, like, really bond as, as a team. Did you watch any of it? No. You didn't watch a game? No. <laughs> and last thing, I asked you, uh, again, about a month ago what the expectations were for this season. Now seeing this team on the floor and how you fit, you feel even better about it than you did before? Yeah. Just knowing everybody, everybody's walking into this with a pure heart. Everybody's willing to sacrifice, and we want to win. So I feel like all this, all this work we're putting in will pay off. Thank you, man. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.